terribly nervous. Williamson. Well, our Ramble Meets guest this week has an engineering degree, worked for British Aerospace, was the ying to Matt Letizia's yang at Southampton, had two spells at West Ham, has managed extensively up and down the leagues, was once Northern Ireland's record goal scorer, and also coined the word bounce-back ability. Ian Dowie, I hope you're well in these strange times. I'm very, very well, Mark, indeed, especially can be. Well, that's excellent. I'm as fascinated, in about the person behind the footballer because in many ways, the footballer, the people know the stories about that. But what drives them, people don't know so much about that. And I look at you, I look at your CV, you've got an engineering degree from the University of Hertfordshire. So as a kid, I wonder, did you love Skeletrex? Did you love Meccano sets? Were you a builder? Did you like to put things together? No, I don't, I've got to say, I, I think this, my brother's is a lot better engineer than I am. He's got a degree. I mean, it, the only thing that worries my brother is I've got a master's. He's only got a normal one. So um, we, have, we, have, we, have a bit, we have a bit of banter. But, but listen, my dad was a, an engineer all his life. So, you know, came over for work at Hawker City years ago, um, shorts in Northern Ireland at the time. Mum and dad came over, living in Hatfield, Finchley originally. Then, you know, would you leave his bike riding to Hawker City, which is 30 miles, long, long way away. And, um, and then all of a sudden he got the job at British, Aeros- at British Airways in the end. And so he was, his life was in engineering and on aircraft. So we go, you know, he was the lead supervisor on Concorde at the time. So um, became that, although was fiercely, what was I say? A working man who never wanted to get into the management. So got to the top he could as the head lead supervisor, but didn't want to join the management. Always a, a union rep and where he was. And that's, that is, that's, that's, that's how he was. And him and my mum were amazing people. Um, and yeah, so the engineering side of it came, I think, from my dad, really. I agree. You know, I, I went into to do my BSc in aeronautical engineering at University of Hertfordshire. Got on, got on with it well. Struggled through a few little bits of, of doing the, some... Uh, difficult CAD stuff on on the internet where I'm not very good at and all that sort of thing. So end up going with doing a master's degree in mechanical engineering at the same time as being contacted because I was looking for jobs, being contacted by British Aerospace to say they'd sponsor me to do that. So I, that's why I went to the University of Hertfordshire to be sponsored. I was sponsored by British Aerospace, which was an amazing thing to do. And then uh, and they carried on doing that through my degree. And then I went in to be what was at the time an environmental engineer, which um, I remember my wife, my mum my, my and my dad, my mum more than my dad were a bit puritanical, certainly not. They were good fun, not really churchgoers, but a little bit of church in their background. And I remember I scored a winner against Coventry um, for Luton, my first club, and the headline in the Daily Star was Dowie whips out his missile to pop in last cast winner, which didn't go very down down very well with my mother at all. So, um, yeah, that's that's where the engineering came from. My, my brother's now still selling aircraft engines for GE and American companies, and he's doing a great job, well, vast job across Europe and Africa and and, and, and England. So, yeah, so it's in our blood. We love, I love, I love all things engineering. I'm certainly not as good a 
good with my hands than my brother is or my dad. Um, but I get on and, yeah, I'm okay with a little bit of DIY, but not too bad. So we're roughly the same age. You're a couple of years older than me. And when I was growing up, Concorde was a massive thing. My dad went to the States a couple of times a year on work. He didn't fly Concorde, but he would say, you know, there's a plane that goes to America in about three to four hours. So for you, with your dad working on it, would he come home and talk about this plane which flew so quickly? Very much so. And, you know, that was probably the first fly-by-wire sort of aircraft ever to be. And though that, that gave them more problems than anything, we believe, engineering-wise, sorting that fly-by-wire, you know, it quite often wasn't as good as it can. But the engines were magnificent, the Rolls-Royce engines at the time. Um, the design was incredible. Very – shouldn't be un- – what shouldn't have been uncomfortable, it should have been more luxury. It was actually was quite uncomfortable. And I was fortunate enough to, through my dad and my wife, um, and me and my wife flew twice on it. So I left Brit- at London at 10.30 in the morning, London Heathrow, and I was in uh, Times Square at 10.25. And by the way, an incredible, uh, unusual because of the speed, but the height for that 60,000 feet, 65,000 feet, you can see the curvature of the earth. Like no other, like nothing else we'd ever seen before. It was brilliant, and bless him. When my dad retired, we went, you know, to to where. And unfortunately, he was dead ten months, eleven months later. But um, he retired, not for ill health, just retired. And um, they nodded the, the snoop, uh, Concord snoop. So that was part of his ceremony. The whole hangar was full of full of lads. Dad had been a long while, and they uh, one of the pilots was up there, and he got the, they nodded the snoop, and it was it was very he was very emotional. The world is about to become a smaller place. Soon you'll be able to travel a mile every three seconds. Well over 20 miles in just one minute. The phenomenal Concorde from British Airways. So that's amazing. They nodded the nose of Concord in honor of your dad on his retirement. That really that's an amazing thing, isn't it? But I'm also guessing as a dad, he said to you, play your football at Chesant or St. Albans or Hendon or whatever, but make sure you have a proper job as well. And engineering, is that what he said? That really is a proper job. What what's great about him, I listen, I think my brother would say the same. My mum and dad were both magnificent people. My dad would have given me anything just to get a pair of I think it was kangaroo skin Patrick boots at the time. He, that's what he was trying to do. But my dad was played professionally at Bangor in Northern Ireland as a little bit. So he, he loved his football. But he just believed in education. Absolutely incredibly strict. Or never, never laid a hand on me. Never laid a hand on me my whole life. Um, but, you know, you just had that respect for him and my mum. And, you know, the tragedy was that, you know, he never really got to see my kids so much because, you know, I, I think it was four and one when he, when he passed away. So, um, you know, been great to, to spend time with him now to sit and, and learn from him because he was a, he was a font of all knowledge, you know, a grammar school graduate from, if you like, from, from, from Belfast, very, very well-read man. Um, and you know, a source of knowledge all my life as with my mum, but, um, you know, it's, it, 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 it's just a, such a strange thing. I, I, I love the, I love, the, I think I always love the fact that he was in, Aircraft. I loved aircraft. You know, I think we, we, you know, I remember we, you know, we flew some to some nice places. Not, not, 
without any money really but you know you got deals on the fl flights for 10 percent or something and the hotels were discounted so you you took advantage of it. it was amazing it was amazing stuff we, you know we used to every summer we went to ventura beach in california sounds so glamorous now we stayed in the motel six 19 dollars 95 for four of us in the one room me my brother and my mum and dad and, and do you know what the best thing about it is you know, 25 cents you put it in the 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 beds vibrated at night. We thought that was fantastic. Me and my brother shared shared two double beds, but mum and dad were in one. Me and me and my brother never put twenty five cents in, the, and our bed was vibrating. We thought it was an amazing thing. Oh, that's great. That is, and and coming from Belfast, I'm guessing your dad loved George Best. I mean, we're right in the George Best heyday, the George Best era, aren't we? We are, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, um, I mean, my my mum's house. It was just over Tate's uh, Avenue Bridge. And so you go, as, as I drove into um, Windsor Park when I was playing, I drove past my my grandmother, my mum's mum and dad's house, all this right past that. So, first, well, 60 metres, you, you hit the fence of Windsor Park. So my they lived on that street, Ebor Street. So that's the name of the street. So, well, yeah, and with a fish and chip shop on the corner. It, so I used to drive past where my mum and dad used to, well, my mum used to live. For the cheek of best, a fighting story to come and get it. More, what can one say about George Best? So you you were, as I said, you scored twelve goals for Northern Ireland. You were once their record goal scorer. Uh, did, did, it's it's a, you play for Northern Ireland. You've just you've described very eloquently your your parents' upbringing in Northern Ireland. So you're completely legitimate to play for them. Did you feel Northern Irish? Did it feel you know yeah. because you sounded different to quite a lot of the rest of them in the dressing room? No, I did, and, and you know at that time were, I've got to say all them people were brilliant. With me, Alan McDonald, God bless him now, he's passed away terribly. Um, but you know. Some fantastic lads in the team, Mal Donachy, Danny Wilson, who had the similar accent to me, but a different different twang to it. But you know, I used to our summer holidays were in Money Moor on my on my uncle's farm, my dad's uncle's farm. Well, my uncle's farm, but my dad's brother's farm. So um it was a I, I was so used to it, it was an amazing place. You know, we loved the sauce, uh, you know, steak sausages and pasty suppers and all that thing. I was just used to it. Every summer I used to spend a lot of time there. So you know, Northern Irish people could say what they like. You know, I I'm still go back four or five times a year. Me and my brother go with some friends of ours go back every year outside this year because of thing. But yes, very much I felt very Northern Irish, and they I think most of them knew I was. And, and, and although I talked in a different manner, um, it was a fantastic spirit and camaraderie in them early days with Billy being with my first cap, and then eventually to become captain of it. Uh, against Colombia, which um, was incredible. Um, so, um, sorry, Uruguay, not Colombia. Uruguay it was Uruguay. Yeah. It must have been amazing for your dad, captain Northern Ireland, and score all those goals. He, well, I've never seen. I never seen cry. He was he was in floods of oh. tears. In the, well, I've never not. Of course, I have seen cry. I've seen cry lots of times in, in the personal. But outside, I never seen cry. He was he was blubbering. I could see him in the and it was making me go as well. To be fair, um, and we beat Uruguay, which I believe was staggering um, at the time. Um, so yeah, it was very you know you know I was I was fortunate enough to captain I think twelve times and you know nothing nothing would be give me a prouder moment than that. You know I played at uh, Lansdowne Road for Northern Ireland. We played the Republic and I scored Gillespie put a magnificent ball and I ended up just tapping it in. Really, it was a great ball from Keith. Loved to do with me, but. Um, it was very, you know, there was no, there was no, it was only a handful of, if you like, Northern Irish fans there, and mum and dad were one of them. So it was a, it was a special moment uh, to do that. And you know, I, I, 
I just I just think there's something special about Northern Irish people. I think there's a there's a there's a kindness about them, and I think Celtish Celtic people have that in them. McGrath looks for Bab. Gillespie picks it up. Keith Gillespie chance to get forward. There's only Dye up there. Support arriving now. Gillespie done well. Oh, it's one eight. It's Ian Dowie. So there we are. 28th minute of the second half. It's 1-1. Northern Ireland's first goal in Dublin. And the first goal the Republic have conceded in these championships. What a lift for Northern Ireland. Good ball and a tremendous finish. Did you, I mean, as I say, because you're three years older than me, so I, I know that, and always being interested in news, I've got a politics degree for what it's worth, but I watch the news as a young man all the time, and my dad and read newspapers. And Northern, the problems in Northern Ireland in my childhood and your childhood were very relevant. And, you know, bombs in London, I remember the Harrods bomb very clearly, and mum saying, please don't go to London to go shopping. I mean, with your, with your parents' background, was this something you talked about quite a lot? Because it was on the news a lot, wasn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, listen, we, uh, my my nan and, and granddad lived in in, in Dunmurray at the time. Um, we used to, they used to live in, in, in right in the centre of town on, on the down on the Donegal Pass and, and that way. So right in the centre of Belfast. But even even at Dunmurray, there, you know, there was there was a couple of people who were shot at the end of our road. Um, you know. Uh, it was a, it was it was a scary place to be at the time, and yet yet sort of everything went on as normal. You know what I mean? Like I mean, there was areas you couldn't go and perceive that because you were a certain religion went there. I mean, listen, I, I've got to say, religion wasn't a massive part of our upbringing. Although we went to Sunday school and all that, but mum and dad weren't. You know, although they that was part of the thing to do. Religious has become less and less a part of my life, and you know, I think you know. If I'm honest, I think it causes more problems than anything. So for me, for me, I've never understood religion in, in, or believed in it. So I'm, I'm not an atheist. Well, I probably am an atheist if I'm honest. So that 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 that, that part of it, as I grew older, my, even I think my mum and dad were like that. I mean, his best, you know, he went. His best friends were Catholics at the time, living in the areas. So, so it wasn't in in, my, in certain areas. It wasn't like that. They lived like, they lived very close, but. You know, in other areas, it became a bit more of a divide. But you know, tragically, that it was now. How much better it isn't, you know, now. Which is, you know, eventually we've got all this madness of it. You, the, the, what religion are you? It makes a difference. You know, it's staggering. So when uh, we'll talk about some football, shall we? When you were, yeah. when you were doing all this at British Aerospace and uh, and all that, and you were playing non-league football. So this is the sort of mid to late eighties. Actually, Stuart Pearce, the first one in our series here, was the same at Wealdstone. Did you ever play yeah. against him at Wealdstone? No, I don't think I did. No, no. no. You just I missed mean, him. So you remember. were... Yeah, you would have remembered. No, no, listen, yeah. I, I, we, yeah. we, we, we had a couple of clashes in, on, on, in uh, professional terms. So, yeah, yeah. Um, well, how would I'm, you characterise like, non-league football then? So you were, you were, you were Chesson, St Albans, Hendon, and then from Hendon you went into the league with Luton. Yeah, what was it forget, like then? Don't forget, Mark, I, I was I was, a, I was a Sands as a 16-year-old. So, yes, um, yes. You know, and they, they released me, um, Bob Heans actually, mm. but, you know, for being too small. And that's true. Yeah, so six, yeah. seven, by the way, I'm not. That's not. I'm not criticising anyone for releasing me because yeah. I was quite small at the time, five foot five, five foot six or something at the time. Um, at sixteen, you know, I hadn't had that growth spurt. But you know, we, I used to travel into Montem in Slough to go to the training. Ruben Agbula, some of the Wallace brothers, you know, all that area. Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the end, it, they released me. And it, I remember my dad saying, 
oh, you know, don't worry about it, we'll play at Wembley. And I played at Wembley for in the in the in the semi final four, Southampton later yeah. in my career, which which is which is amazing. And you know, still my memory of that game is 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 a is just the the, the atmosphere and response and you know uh, the, the, we got beaten in the end which is, which is a terrible thing but the, to experience it was full of full of Southampton fans was, was quite amazing yeah but but what what was non-league football like I mean did yeah. it did it build you up mentally and physically for what was to come in the league well yeah I, I listen I, I came to Chesson at a time where my I played there and uh, I did quite well there on a lad called John Drabble my brother was playing there at the time who was a fearsome centre half and I suppose it, that 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 sort of way and then, we, then I went to St Albans after that again my brother was there and then I went to end up moving on to Hendon um, where on my own right and my, in fact it's funny my brother came after to join me but um, you know Rob was a formidable player and, and would have gone on to do great things had he broke his ankle twice but um, you know it, it it absolutely shaped me as a person because it was physically... I mean, I played in a game with seven sent off and a bad game abandoned. Um, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we played. Yeah, we played Wembley. It was it was a full full blown on full blown riot. So, um, uh, but and and it's not. There's no pride in it, but listen, you expected to stand your ground and fight your corner. That was that's what you had to do. So you know, it was you know, it was physically very demanding. The centre halves. Many of them tried to kick and punch you and whatever out the way. And listen, it was a different game then, Mark. It was a physically so you know you talk about George Best with the physical treatment he got. You see Maradona back in the day when he's being booted to chunks out of him. Special, you know, it's just why it's so sad to see him pass away. You know, special, special talents that you know take so much abuse. Yet they still have that creativity now. It, Bless me, I was never had that creativity, but <laughs> I could cope with the phys- physicality of it all. And listen, it, I played against many, many tough centre-halves and after the game, you'd have a part with them, it w- wouldn't matter. And, and listen, it could even be physical blows, but I don't see that. I think that, that wouldn't could happen now. It couldn't happen. You couldn't have a punch-up on the pitch and then have a drink in the bar. That would just, that animosity would carry on, I think. So, you know, I'm not, not, not saying it's a bygone era because the game's much more beautiful now and it's great, the technical advances we've made and, I love that, you know, when I was in coach, you know, working with technical, technically with players and developing them um, is, was a key part of anyone. Um, but it was brutal. You know, I, I played in the Hendon team, I've got to say, Roger Wade, Gibbo, Colin Tate, um, Phil Gridlett, and my brother, uh, Gary Keane, good players, but I tell you what, Alan Campbell, Davy Root, Erskine Smart, you know, I can... Uh, um, you remember all, all their them, names still. All yeah, of them yeah. you wouldn't listen. All of them are yeah. good players, and all of them you wouldn't. Yeah, you know, take, take a liberty with. with. You know, no. they'd be different ones, different styles because they were. That's no. what they were. Dermot Drummy, bless him, he played. God bless him, he's passed away now. You know, yeah. terrible. But Dermot was an outstanding player for, and got me playing pro football because he. I, I think I'd scored thirty-two goals at Christmas when I when I eventually signed. Twenty of them, twenty-two of them from Dermot's crosses, I yeah. suspect. So um, I've got ten in the FA Cup that year. Did you find when you when you went to Luton, you were actually go? I know they're in the, the old first division, weren't they? But it was a similar. 
it was. I, I, what am I trying to say? I've been to Luton a few times. Kenilworth Road is the yeah, same yeah. today as when I went in 1985. Yeah. I saw Paul Mariner play centre half for Arsenal on the plastic pitch. I mean, it's that long ago. And I went back to Kenilworth three, four years ago for a cup tie. I thought this place hasn't changed a bit. So it's quite earthy. So you know, to be let's be honest, you've been to, used to earthy football in the, yeah, in, really. the in non-league. So actually, it wasn't that different in the first division. No, but you can imagine. So I, I signed. I mean, there's a few clubs that I have opportunities to sign for and. Trust me, uh, the chairman at, uh, at um, Hendon wanted me to move to, I think it was Doncaster, because they were offering double the money of the Premier League or the top flight clubs. Anyway, I went to Luton and, you know, walking, you know, you're right, it's, the ground was less and still is less than palatable, really, given the size of the club. But you walk in the dressing room, wow. I mean, my first day was a bit difficult. You know, Ashley Grimes, Mick Harford, Steve Foster, Danny Wilson, Ricky Hill, um, Kingsley Black. You know, oh, David you've, got Ste- you've got steel and silk in that oh, dressing yeah, room, yeah, haven't you? Well, listen, Ricky yeah. was incredible talent. Um, yeah. uh, Mal Donerke, uh, Le- Les Seeley, God bless him. So, you know, there's, but, but, you know, at the heart of that, you did say the, the leader, Steve Foster, stand, stood out, you know, and he was, Mick Harford was magnificent with me. Um, he caught me training one afternoon. So I because the plastic pitch, you could go back and do on the afternoons. And that was great for me because I had some catching up to do. And he said, um, and he used to come out and he caught me on the outside and he said this and this is just he said keep doing this every afternoon he said you'll get there it'll come quick he said the lads the lads like you and um, he said but you know you've got to get used to this it's not an easy he said it's not an easy place to come it's not like playing on grass it's, it's it's so different your technique has to be better and it helped me in lots of ways um, my first my first game actual full game when I played I played Palace would you believe away in the Simod Cup I scored a one the goal, beat two people, scored a one the goal, I got beat 4-1. And Fozzie said to me um, after the game, as I put my boots in my bag, he said, keep them boots in there, you'll be going straight back to non-league. Anyway, <laughs> I'm thinking, so I got, would you, my dad came to the game, so I, I, I got drove home with my dad at the time. And I'm chatting, and he says, what's, 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 what's the matter? He said, you're quite, you're not really not this quite, you don't be moaning about this or that. What, what is it? I said, just, you know, so I, so I told him what he said and, I said, I've got something in my mind. He said, well, what do you mean? He said, I said, I said, I said I've, got to, I've got to get into him. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, tr- next time we play against him, I want to you know, leave a bit on him. He said, where you go, do what you got to do. He said, but you know, you've got to also be careful if you lay something on him and he's, you've got you know where you are. And he said, I know that won't be a problem for you, but still, just be aware. Anyway, sure enough, on the Thursday, we get play on the Tuesday, Wednesday, ball goes out, Fozzie's Goes to Blackdown. I let I leave a bit on him. Bang! It don't. But, but, but I put an elbow in his chest. And he falls to the floor on the plastic. You know, a few grades, and, and he gets up and he said, "You might have a chance." You know, it it, it was part of he that. He was trying you out. Yeah, he was trying me, out. trying me out. And listen, he was from that moment. He was very supportive of me. Looked after me um, from many a, many an incident. Um, and and really, really, you know, he he was the glue that got that club, put that club together, and the team together. Really. Was amazing. So a lot of good players, Tim Breaker as well. You know, a uh, lot of good players in the team. But Fozzie sort of adjusted everyone to suit because he could. I'm in fact at the time wasn't quick, great in the air, good on the ball, but didn't want to run because he couldn't. That wasn't his strength. So he, he organised the team around him. And, and Mick Harford was a, just such a good example for me. 
brilliant feat. Did, I'm just, I'm, I'm, actually, I, I'm closing my eyes in and thinking of you and Mick Harford playing together in the same team. That, that's yeah. like watching. That's, that's, it's like watching the Berserkers coming over the hill, isn't it, for centre halves? Well, I've got, to say, I know what you mean. I, I, listen, I've got to say, you, know, you think about the, the Martin Keowns and yeah. you know the Stevie Bruce's and, and the, 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 let's let's go to your club. You know, they're talking about Linigan and Adams yeah, yeah. and they could look after themselves. You know, the lights. I mean, listen, listen. Uh, you know, I went to, I think, I think it was at Southampton when I went to uh, Highbury, and I, I caught Tony from the kickoff and cut his ear because his ear was five stitches. So I left the I left the game with seven stitches to, from two cuts. I think you know. So you know, yeah. it's what it was. And by the way, a few beers after the game, no difference. And, and yeah. none of it. You know, the first tackle. Always at high was straight through the back here, you know, and you had to know that was coming. But other than that, it was a, it was fiercely competitive. Was it a brutal game? A little bit more brutal than it is now. Well, much more brutal because of the cameras. But um, you know, I think it's it was such a good testing ground for me. I went to I went out on loan to Fulham, which really helped me with a, a, a lot lot of, a lot of good lads in the team. You know, with Ray Lewington's coach helping, we had a really good run. I got a few goals, got sent off away at Chester. Um, uh, we're catching a keeper, which when he opened, when he did that with his caught him in the, I was running through, flicked over his head, it went past the post, and I caught him with studs. Anyway, he went like that, his face was anyway, it looked worse because of all the blood. And he was straight red card. And as I walked off, someone in Chester threw a coin, and it hit me straight on the 50p, hit me straight on the tempo. I didn't pick it up, but it hit me. Anyway, I had to try and get into the tunnel before I grimaced, it was so sore. But I, I, I tried to walk and pretend it was fight it was killing me. I got in, I was in agony. But, um, you know, it was really good. And I came back, got straight in the team after that. And then, um, you know, Jimmy Ryan was there after after Ray had, had, had moved on. Um, Ray was, Ray Harford, God bless him, was fantastic with me. He had a good team. And then um, Jim Ryan helped me along the way. And, yeah, it was, so I, I, got, I got in the team and maybe, I think, when I second, I think the league debut was against, Derby, I scored against Peter Shorten, I believe. So it was a nice, a nice introduction. So um, I enjoyed it there. Really good family club run. But I think at the time, Danny Wilson was captain. Really had a good, because Fozzie had moved on. Really good camaraderie. All the lad, Darren McDonald, by that time, a younger type of team. You know, um, and it, he used to get a lot of groups, groups together with families. So he did it really well, Danny. Excellent, fantastic captain like Fozzie. Was Southampton a family club as well in the same sort of way? Yeah, yeah, very much. I mean, you know, a real, real surprise, really, because obviously I go to West Ham and do okay. We get promoted. Um, I go on a pre got I think, what, five goals in 10 games or something um, and, and, and help score, well, do score the goal that gets us up out of division. Um, and then I, I, we're, at, we're at South End, I think, pre-season. He pulls me, Billy Bonds, and says, I'm a West Ham fan, but life, you know, lived to die in the war West Ham fans dad used to take me and he says I've, I've, we've sold you to Southampton I said what do you mean I've got I, I don't want to go and, and you know he just had so well you've got to go I mean as you, as you did then and you know we, we funny enough, later that year I played for Southampton I scored the goal at, at the Dell that put West Ham down and the first person to congratulate me was Billy Bonds to be fair you know, I understood. Now I look back as a manager. I've, I've been a manager. I knew that Billy had no money. He had to get money. He got money. He got money where he could. So, but he was very polite to say afterwards. You know, we had money issues. Well done. You were fantastic. Finale, finding Shearer. That was a beautiful turn by Shearer. And he finds Dowie on the far post. That's an excellent goal. 
Ian Dowie gives Southampton the lead ten minutes before half-time. And that's a sweet moment for Ian Bramford and his team. A goal made by the superb skill of Alan Shearer and finished off with that fine header. It was a lovely skill by Shearer. He's been out of the game for the last uh, 15 minutes, but it's a lovely long ball. Beastly of the City defence, a looping header by Dowie, giving Cotton no chance whatsoever. But let's say, first time he's really come into the game, isn't it, Shearer? Uh, saw Dowie way at the far post. It, City defence, all the six and sevens. A long header as well, wasn't it? I mean, that shows it all now, doesn't it? When people watch today's world, when the players have all the power, let's be honest, they do. Yeah. That in that day, yeah. you were you were, you were were an asset. You were a chattel. Sorry, you're off. Yeah, I agree. And listen, it, and I was a disposable asset because he thought, maybe, right, oh, I've got other ones better than him, which is absolutely yeah. manager's prerogative. And I went away to, to Southampton, which was, you know, again, a lot of good players in there. You know, you, you think about it. Players are, you know, <laughs> I mean, in lots of ways, we used to have a, we used to have a, five-a-side in a, a gym. It's almost like a school gym inside the Dell, but it had no, it had normal brick walls, nothing smooth and everything. And, and, and all you had was two wooden benches in a normal school gym. So wooden floor, two benches at the end and, and exposed brick walls. So you can imagine what was going on. It was brutal. It was like, it was like, it was like terrible on a, on a Friday, but actually it was part of the camaraderie. And you know, we had Terry Herlock, Neil Ruddock, you know, Mickey Adams, Glenn Cockrell, you know, Latiz who light it up, Alan Shearer in his early days, you know, um, and Neil Madison, Tommy Whittington, Jason Dodd, Franny Benali, who wasn't shy of the tackle or two, Kevin Moore, God bless him, passed away with tragically with, um, you know, uh, heading the ball too often. Um, very, very sad. But it was brutally, it was the same, same physicality. But we had really good, really good camaraderie there. Good, good, good bunch of lads, you know, all different Maddie and Bramford at the time moved on to Alan Ball and bits and David Merrington for a period. But yeah, any time you're playing football alongside Alan Shearer as a youngster or Matt Letizia, it, it takes, you know, it takes a bit of beating. And, you know, Matt technically is something, you know, is, is a one in once in a lifetime generation in terms of technical ability, no doubt. And that's, you see him at golf now, he's still brilliant at golf. He's just got, he's had something different. Well, I mean, he almost went to, Tottenham, didn't he? He almost went to Tottenham at one stage. When you look back on it, it's very easy for me to sit here and go, Letizio's brilliant, he should have gone to Manu or Liverpool or whatever, whatever, and he didn't want to, simple as that. When, what, what do you think when you look back at his career, having played alongside him, having been on the pitch when he scored some of those ridiculously brilliant yeah. goals? I mean, listen, I, I'm, I'm at the heart of one of the most ridiculous goals when I, when I hit a really, when I head a ball inside, particularly badly, he back flicks it over his head. So it's not a good header. It's a terrible header for me. He backflips over the head, side foot, just scoops it past and then passes it. In, a, in a, you know what? This is unique. I think Matthew, Matthew Tizier is what I've got to say. I've never seen anyone strike a ball like him at the time. I've never seen anyone strike the ball as well as him. You know, that's that's just naturally. You know, he had that. If you, if you like a a Tiger Woods draw off the tee, a low two iron, he had that and could shape it around a goalkeeper. Eight times out of ten, it would go right in the top corner. You couldn't; it's not savable. And like whatever else, Tim Flowers was in peak of his powers. He'd save it. You couldn't; he couldn't save his. And and also, Matt had that ability when he went through on goal. He didn't. He didn't care if he missed. He knew he, he knew he wasn't going to miss. And he also wanted to put the ball right in the top corner, or right inside the post. He had that supreme confidence, which certainly I never had. Um, 
But I think people do him a disservice because he was fitter. He was he trained well. He was a good trainer. People say he used to like this and like that and like the other. But he, listen, he trained well and he was out. Listen, he was outstanding. So when you look back, would he want to change it? I don't think he would now. Would Would we all want him to have gone out to a better level or played it in? Of course we would. But I mean, you know, he he played all his career at the top flight. You know, and I don't think there's too much he should regret really. Other than that, maybe. When he hasn't won some things, I think, but he, he couldn't play anywhere. I mean, I think Matthew could have gone to Barcelona and played in their team. You know, uh, you know. He, you think he was that? He was that good, was he? I think yeah. exactly. Of course, he, I mean, listen, you couldn't embarrass him with the ball. We we had this thing, interesting thing, when we had this little drilling on. A, sometimes we had the forwards injury. You hit the ball, the wall in the gym had a little edge on it. So you ping the ball against it, come back straight to something. Something hit the wall, come back at different heights. He controlled balls like in. We'd get the chest in there, put his foot up and kill it and volley it in the top corner. Just a, just a, do you know, like a silky, unhurried. He never rushed. You couldn't rush him. You know, when I was, you know, I want to get hold of the ball, get it controlled and get it gone. <laughs> yeah. he, didn't, he didn't want that. He wanted, to, he wanted to keep it. He loved the football. You know, he just wanted to manipulate it. So staggeringly good footballer. Um, I, listen, f- I got on fantastic with him. Um very, he was very, very, you know, if you ever, you, you know, and I did a few of them when I set him up a few times, he was always very complimentary about the other bits you brought to the game. But he was a special talent, no doubt. And, you know, the bits I've seen a year at the time also led me to become, and look what, look what the both of them have done. And they're different in many ways, um, but just, just as brilliant both. I mean, Alan's record is just beyond compare, quite incredible. All right, he's won the Premier League title, of course, but he hasn't played a, a top side for all them years, you know, and, then, and I, 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 like him, think Newcastle should be a top side, but, you know, to score the amount of goals he did there outside that period when Kevin Keegan was there, they weren't really in the shakeup. So, you know, the amount of goals he scored is, is quite phenomenal. And, and, and that's just sheer personal desire. But also the personal desire to leave home and go to the other end of the country yeah. as a teenager, to go from Newcastle to Southampton, the other end of the country is, I don't know what he was, 14, 15. Well, that takes a lot of, I don't care who you are, that takes a lot of guts and a lot of self-belief, doesn't it? I agree. It? Well, I think I think the self-belief, belief, whether it was there or not, I mean, listen, he's, he had huge self-belief as a player, but I think that grew. I see I see a younger player at Southampton growing to what has become a, a formidable beast. Listen, Tizzy's ability and what he could do with the football is incredible. You, you couldn't out-battle Alan. You couldn't outrun him. You couldn't outfight him. You couldn't beat him in the air. If he wanted to get there, he's going to get there. He's going to find a way to get the job done. So, um, again, two people, I'm fortunate enough to play with just staggering talent and in different ways. Don't get me wrong, Alan's touch was very, so, you know, you could ping it anywhere. He'd kill it dead. But just a deadly finisher. Deadly, absolutely deadly. Tim Plaz with his uh, first touch. Here at Loftus Road, the home of uh, Queen's Park Rangers. And he puts uh, a big clearance in. And Dowie, here's Shearer. Oh, what a start for Southampton in the first minute. And Alan Shearer gets his fourth of the season. And that was a beauty. The dream start, Dowie's header on. And that's a great finish. Uh, we're not necessarily going to go chronologically, but you had a couple of spells at Crystal Palace as a player and a manager yeah. later. I looked up your goal in the Cup semi-final about an hour yeah. ago. What a goal. Yeah. 
double de- deadly rage. You had to be there. What <laughs> losing in the semi-final? You know, yeah. I sit there in the studio. I go, this is the worst time to lose. This is the worst place to lose. I guess it probably yeah. is, isn't it? You're so close to the final. Well, do you know? Do you know that that was a year that Ron Node stopped the fans going because the fan was killed. I believe. Yes, so he was no killed the first game. Anyway, wasn't he? yes, but yeah. Timor Ray Houghton. And, he, and the good lad, me and Ray got on great, but he never lets me forget that I missed a chance in the 90, 91st minute. And it's a, it is a brilliant chance. He puts a great ball in. I get up above the defender, head it, head it, head it this side rather than it. if I go across the goal score, head it down, it goes past the post. And we were there because it was a replay. We, we stayed in the hotel. Anyway, he never let me forget it, but he's right not to. I, I scored in there and I think so did... Um, it was, I think I think Scalzi scored in, in 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 that game as well. Yeah, you were twi- you were twice ahead, I think, weren't you, in the first well, game? Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was two so two. It finished the first game. Chris Armstrong. Anyway, yes, we we stayed over, and I, he just vilified me all night. And listen, I've got to say when I when I look at the chance backwards, he's, he's absolutely right. But that that was the nature of the dressing room at the time. So um, good good fun and a great player that Ray was. So yeah, we were given the team we had at the time, we should never have gone down that year. Um, you know, but I, I didn't, I didn't come to very late. I've got to say that I didn't come to quite late in the, I think I went fe- late February. Or early yeah. Cause you, you were cup tied. They reached the semi-finals of the league cup as well. And you were yeah. cup tied for that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. 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 That's how late in the season you came. Yeah. Um, and then back to West Ham. So being a West Ham fan, was that yeah. a bit like, I can't believe I've got another chance to play for my boyhood club. And this time I'm going to make it count. I think that's exactly what, listen, I, I, I always, West Ham was my team and it always is the first result I look for and I'm delighted that, that you know uh, David's gone back and done what he's done now and uh, in my dealings with David person who always gets the most maximum out of his players and I don't think there's too much you can ask for that he's now in a situation where he's doing what he did brilliantly at, at Everton if you like and but he's also could do quality shouldn't forget that he got he went and got Bowen and he's been an outstanding signing Suchek incredible signing Incredible, mm-hmm. Buffal, incredible, Buffal, incredible, um, and he and he's finding a way. And you know, I, I just think he's got some some talent there, and in, in players, players that are, I think a lot of clubs will be after if we can keep hold of them. Um, and there's a few of them, and the full, the, the, I think the fullback will become one of them. I like him too. Um, so I think I think it's it was an amazing opportunity to go back, and you know, Harry's a great fella to play for um, in a really fiery feisty dressing room you know what I mean you know I mean it's, it was a lively place to be you know anyway with John Monker and Ian Bishop and Dixie and the likes of that and you know he had to that Paul Kitts and John Arts and uh, you know Michael Hughes you, you've got you've got a lot of players and then some and then some Hugo Porfirio or or <laughs> Well, yeah. I wrote, I, Ian, I wrote down here, you had Marco Bugas, who sort of disappeared off to a caravan. Yeah, well, you had Florian Radichoyu, who, who went shopping in Harvey Nicks instead of playing at Stockport. Well, Don't worry, we'll get Stockport. You've been to Harvey Nicks this morning to get that, <laughs> little, that, that little purple <laughs> roll I love that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you also had, and I think I saw this game, Paolo Futre came, demanded yes. the number 10 shirt, had yeah. no knee. At Arsenal. At Arsenal. At Arsenal. Had no knee, did he left, but was brilliant for about two weeks and then he couldn't play again because his well, knee impacted. He into, he, so he walked into the dressing room at Arsenal. He looks at his shirt number, wants number 14. He's not number 14. He's got 10 or something. He says, no, 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 I'm number 14. And so it's John Moncur's. It's John Moncur's number. Anyway, but we, oh, I don't, it's incredible. I can see Harry. That, he, 
but he's not going to play. Trust me, he's not playing. And then yeah. he, he doesn't play. In the end, John Moncur gets three weeks in his villa, I think, because when he changes <laughs> his, his thing. But I've got to say, some of his technical ability, still future. He had that little flick, flick turn, you know. It was amazing. He, he brought it in one way with the inside and flick with the outside. Staggering ability. Um, just didn't really get going. But, you know, I mean, I, I played with Danny, who, who Harry brought a little bit. So, you know what I mean? It, there, there was some good good talent Harry brought, um, but he also had a good basis of, of, of people he knew, you know, Marco Reaper and the like, uh, Mark yeah. Reaper and that. Good, good, good players. Good proper so, defenders, yeah. Yeah, good players. What was the best thing about being a manager? Oh, listen, I love managing more than playing by some degree. Oh, did you? Um, yeah, very oh, you're much quite, so. You don't often hear that. You hear that no, managing no, is great, that, but, but it's I, second I, best. I loved it. Listen, I went... I got, I got a real taste of it with briefly Mick Harford there, uh, and then with um, uh, and with Jerry Francis, who was great with me, but yeah, and, and taught me all sorts of different ways about it. Then I was fought, I got the opp- and you know he, he really helped me and put me as a reserve team coach, allowed me to play and manage, which helped also. So I played centre back, and it, it you know it got you at QPR, yeah, yeah, yeah. that helped you see yeah. what you wanted to do, and I was very. You know, or, or, you know, you write your sessions down and be organised, get in early, set it up, always had that. And then I got the opportunity to go to Oldham, bizarrely, as a number two um, um, with Mick Wadsworth. It was a strange one. I didn't know Mick from Adam, but we thought we'd done okay. In the first, he didn't manage to crack it. And then I had an opportunity to go with Harry to Pompey um, as an assistant. And then the chairman didn't want me to do that. Chairman was a um, difficult character, I found out in the end. But anyway, um, didn't get a chance to do that. He wanted me to stay and got rid of Mick Wadsworth, which was disappointing because it was, it was nothing to do with me. And Mick knew that. But in the end, I took over and we, we did quite well. And I brought some players in that from non-league, you know, um, you know, Fitzhall particularly, Wayne Andrews, um, in, 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 did in, Fitz particularly. But, but why did you did prefer? Well. Why did you prefer managing to playing? I just like the. Uh, uh, um, I like. I like. I don't know. I like the structure. I suppose I like setting it out and hoping, seeing how it panned out. Listen, uh, Ernie Cooks is another son who's God bless him passed away tragic for birth of his first child as a, a skin cancer. So he played at Rochdale as well, Ernie. So I, I took him from my brother's team. I took Fitz from my brother's team actually at Ches- uh, Chesham. He was outstanding, Fitz. You know, Fitz all everyone knows that is one size. But um, you know, we 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 had a really good team. John Sheridan, good top player. You know, still managing now, John, but um, Swindon, but top player. David Ayres at that level, top player. We, we got in the playoff playoffs, got beat by QPR, bit unluckily, but you know, it's where it is. And then we, unfortunately, the chairman pulled up. Oh, well, I was away, and Fitz rang me on holiday, and he said, "Thanks very much." So, what for? He said, well, I'm on the way down the M3. Where are you going? He said, I'm going to Sam Samson. Chairman sold me today. So a bit of a fire sale when I wasn't there. We came back to no, virtually no players. We took, I think, 24 player, 22 players to Northern Ireland pre-season. And I think we had five, five 16-year-olds and two 17-year-olds in that. Um, so it was what it is. But, you know, we, you know, I was there for a long while until administration was going on the whole time I was there. And then eventually I moved on in just before Christmas to Palace. And, um, you know, I've got wonderful memories and wonderful people still there at the club. So we had a great, com- even in the, in that in that period of being in administration, there was a, we used to cook the food, the staff. So the coaching staff, 
He's on Fridays always cooked. You know, we'd, 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 I'd go, we'd go to Costco, get some grub and come in and we'd, we'd ruffle some up and we'd, you know, laundry ladies, Rosa, it was fantastic. Everyone chipped in. It was, it was a really good, and you know, a lot of credit goes to the club. We, we were well aware, well clear of administration, of, of relegation when we, when I left. But, you know, that, that goes down to the club and all the staff, you know, Tony Phyllis Kirk, John Harbin, amazing people. Um, Paul, Paul, Paul Caton, the physio, brilliant. I mean, I said manager, but of course it's manager stroke slash whether you are or not the coach. Did you, did you enjoy particularly the challenge of improving a player? I mean, that's, I, I, lo- I love coaching. It's, it's, no, I love I love doing that. And I, you know, I had my first couple of days at Palace, I had bounce boards got in. You know, I had, we swam at. I was always been trying to be in the TV. Like we swam at at Oldham, seven thirty in the morning. The lads couldn't believe it, but you know, we were in the pool at seven thirty every morning pre season, virtually, and uh, they hated it, but then got to love it. Um, and you know, we did a lot. I, I, I had individual sessions. We did so we had a time scale every Wednesday, particularly at Palace. So nine thirty to ten fifteen. 10.30 to 11.15, which so it went out and it grew and grew with players. I started with Andy Johnson and it grew. So I've always liked him. innovative thing. I think bounce ball, any things you haven't got to chase balls everywhere. So you can fire a ball and get it back. You know, you can do, I can half volley 50 balls against a, 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 a beam, come back to you. That's, yeah, that's brilliant. You can, you can do it quickly. A bit like your wall at Southampton when it comes back at a different angle sometimes. I agree. Exactly, exactly yeah. that. Exactly what it is. And, you know, I've had it everywhere I've been. I really think it, demonstration what I do is I try and get the half volley if you, if you can if you can half volley left foot and right foot both and brilliantly technically good at that that's virtually the toughest skill you've got to half volley a ball I mean you've seen them when, when Pogba now ball drops in the end he half volleys that ball about that far off the ground everyone goes wow it is the most difficult skill because it's one of them so I think it's a great way of getting that technical ability so I love developing players um, unfortunately I've brought some and got, they've gone, gone into good careers and you know, Andy Johnson probably the one who's, who's gone from you know when I got to Palace at six goals he, he ended up getting 20 goals in the, in the second season in the Premier League um, and went on to a great move to Everton which I was thrilled about and injuries sadly curtailed that a little bit but um, yeah I mean it, it, you know the management side of it will test you with chairman players none more, none, none more so than going to Palace where you know, my first day was, if you like, just just before. I think I think Boxing Day was my first game against Millwall, so a bit of a, a huge derby, the Palace. Um, and and, I, and you sort of know what you're going into because you, you know you have got the chairman who's quite outspoken and where it is, so you, you understand that when you do that. Yeah, it was yeah. So and we go in there, and so we're fourth bottom. I think this is Boxing Day with. I've had two days training, three days training, and and a, a bit of a sort of not fallout, but I, I made my views quite clear to the, to the sports science department that you know the, the the ability to go into the red zone is not a bad thing when you're training. Um, so, but but you know it was a very technical, but all with the ball a lot. So, but a lot of it, but they were concerned about injuries. I know why they were, but I had to I had to make my impact. So anyway, we, we played brilliantly well, and to be fair to Dennis White, he was very kind. They beat us one nil. Got Pete one nil, and and Simon was very dis- bitterly disappointed as you were because his local derby. And I said, "Listen, just give me time, you know, um, and we'll see." And I said, um, "Come back in a month. We'll have a discussion in a month's time. And we'll see what happens." Anyway, we, we win six, six games on the row, including three one away at Ipswich the next game, and we start to get going. We end up winning eighteen out of twenty six. Incredible run, um, and it, it based around 
a very honest dressing room. I had a leadership group, which was many years ago, don't forget. Um, so they'd be very blunt with me, but I'd be blunt with them in terms of what I expect. I expected them to take care of the dressing room and, and ask and, and to feedback about whether the tra- what training they liked, what, the, what they didn't like. And not, not unsurprisingly, they hated Tuesdays, um, which I told them was non-negotiable. So it was just, a, and, and listen, a lot of well, that. Why, what was from, happening on Tuesday? I took, well, I took a lot from Jerry Francis. We, we, we had Terra Tuesday at, at QPR when he was there. And it's nothing I've ever experienced before. Brutal. I remember Te- Richard Sorry, Langley. Terror. Terror Tuesday. Terror Tuesday. Terror okay. Tuesday at, 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 at Crystal Palace. Sorry, it's QPR. Uh, yeah. and, and Richard Lange, you may remember, a good midfield player. I yeah. remember dragging him, dragging him to the um, on the on the twelfth run. It was his twelve runs were brutal. So it might be box to box, halfway line, box to box, halfway line. That could be one run. And he was being sick everywhere, and I had to drag him onto the thing to to get him going to do the last run. And, and Jerry, Jerry knew that what happened is it brought the lads together because they'd finished training. It'd be sharp Tuesday. You might be away by 12, but the lads would, it sounds bizarre, we'd all get together, maybe go down the pub and have a few beers you could at the time, or they'd get together and moan about Jerry or me or whatever it happens to be. But the trouble was, Mark, that these sessions always made, always had to be fours. And inadvertently, they'd either be 11, 15, 19, and as a, as a result, the other one to jump in on the four was me. So I was having to do these runs with it. It was killing me. So, um, but we learned a lot. I, I, tra- I, I evolved it a little bit, but very much Jerry's thing. And, and John Harbin took it over. I let John do it, but I was ready. This is what I wanted. And John evolved it, got some football parts of it. So I'd intersperse it with football. You're running with the football and blah, blah, blah. But John would do that. And they hated it. So they, they tried to get that out as they would, as all the players would, but that was, that was non-negotiable. So we don't want Terra Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but listen, you, I, I was blessed with, with players like Michael Hughes, Tony Popovich, good leaders, fantastic leaders. Um, Neil Shipley, Andy Johnson lead, led in his own way. Two people, two people were leaders in a different way in Wayne Routledge and Julian Gray did their own thing. You know, particularly Julian was, people thought a little bit adrift, but, Fantastic talent, um, amazing talent. And I had Aki Rialati alongside Michael Hughes, who were amazing for me. And um, Sean Derry added to that, you know, Danny Granville, Butterfield, Fitz. You know, later on, when we got Mark, Mark, Mark Hudson, I took from Fulham, was magnificent for us. So, we, you know, we got down, we, 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 we did so many good things in it, you know. And so we get on a run, you know, and we go great. And we go, we go to Coventry. If we win, we're in the playoffs. We don't, we go, we go, to, we absolutely torture and we're 2 0 down. I can't believe it. We're 2 1. We get to 2 all. We get the point, but we rely on Brian Dean, got in a header against Wigan away, gets in the playoffs. So we play against West Ham uh, eventually. So we go, you know, we, sat, have the, we have the magnificent game, the 4 3 at our place against Sunderland. We go way up there. 3-2 in the penalties. Quite incredible Darren Powell scoring. I've never seen nothing like it. He jumps in the crowd, hits the lad on a wheelchair who's disabled and they fall over. But the lad, he's celebrating. He doesn't care. He's on the ground. It's, you know, it's amazing. And Michael Hughes whips, whips the ball in the top corner past Martin Puma, who's the biggest keeper you've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. Gets a hand yeah. to it and we're in, the, we're in the playoff final. And Mick was very gracious after the game because you, you won't remember, but um, the penalty um, was... Uh, Jeff Whitley took the penalty, I think, and chipped it. The last one chipped it. It bounced twice before the keeper picked it up. 
Yes, but he, he didn't yes, even yes. hardly reach him. He, and by the way, he was absolutely apoplectic with rage, as you would be. Oh, that moment of hesitation could have cost him dear. Just tried to be clever, and Vassen didn't buy the dummy. Michael Hughes could take Crystal Palace to the first division playoff final. He has done! Crystal Palace have made it to Cardiff! And the tension that surrounded this game has been lifted from the visitors. Down to ten men for extra time. They got as far as the shootout. And Michael Hughes is the man who's got them there. We went on, we played Alan Pardew's and my team West Ham at Wembley. And it was a, it was a no-brainer. But, you know, the whole world... The whole world was saying um, West Ham were going to win. Um, we had this thing called one more round on our team. On our, we wore it all for a long while, so we never beat until there's always one more round. And sure enough, all this all of a sudden now, I go to the West Ham semi-final, I think it's Ipswich they play, uh, second leg, and they have a T-shirt, the original academy, it says that they won out with it on thing. And then we go Wembley, and it, they've got more, as in Bobby Moore, more than just a football club. So I'm thinking, it's a bit weird where it is. So we went down the day before just to, anyway, we, 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 we like our chances, but it's what it is. And we have the game ships, uh, uh, Andy takes a shot, taps it out, ships, taps it in. We won nil up a couple of strange subs. If you're, I'm like, I think they take off. I think two, two of their center forwards come off, which, which surprised me. And then they bring on Brian Dean about 20 minutes to go. And it's the first time ever and the first time, this is honestly got the truth, and the, the coaching staff will tell you, I said to him, if they bring Brian Dean on, I'm going to bring Darren Powell on. And they said, what are you, what are you on about? My, my brother said to me, sort of, you know, me who were always quite straight talk, he said, well, you, can't, you can't make a substitute just because Darren Powell comes. Just because, I said, listen, I'm telling you, if they bring Darren, if they bring Brian Dean on, I'm bringing Darren Powell on. Fact. So anyway, Sure enough, 10, 15 minutes from the end, Brian Dean warms up. I get get warm. On he goes. I shift Michael Ledgerwood to full back and I take Danny Granville off, who's, uh, sorry, Danny Butterfield, who's not happy. And I said, well, and Danny was magnificent in the game. And I understand why he's not happy. I fully understand, but it's what it is. Anyway, first ball comes up. Dean goes up. Powerly goes up. Boom. Clears him out with a big header. Anyway, I look round to the staff and... There's a couple of nods. Anyway, it, it just one of them. It's just bizarre thing. It's not, it's not, it was just, I, I, you know, something you might have never had it before, never had it since, Mark. And um, we found a way. We had a, a brilliant, a brilliant, uh, well, a couple of days, but one day with the lads. Um, and Danny Wilson, my big mate from Luton, was in there. He was, he was with, uh, I think, I don't know where it was at the time, but he was in the playoffs in the same hotel. So managed to have a beer with him that night. Um, and, it, you know, it was, it was a special night. Well, my final question is, you're, you're not in football at the moment because you, you've gone into oh. the real world to get a job. I mean, you're still covering football, but would you like yes. to coach again? Has that, yes. Is that coaching flame still burning? Yeah, it bur- burns. Well, it burns particularly. And listen, it, whatever, I could be watching you at a game, Mark, and, you know, an England game, where Northern Ireland game, whatever it ended to be, or even a, 
you know, I, I did a Salford game recently, which was actually a brilliant game. You know, there's there's little nuances and coaching things. I've got a little a thing I think with coaches. I think when you coaching's a very difficult school, and everyone has thousands of different opinions about it. When you can, I think the best coach in the world adjust in game, adjust tactics as the game goes on. As well, of course, the best the best teams, I suppose, are that well school that they they dominate teams. But even even if you if you're West Brom playing against and Sam does it, has, has always done it well. Sam does it against whatever team. He adjusts whatever he happens to be, or he brings some player on. But actually, if you can get to the situation, and I'll say that to any coach, where you can fix the faults or adjust the team so that it's in a better position to win in-game, so as it's going on, not afterwards when you look at the video, could have done this. That's when you sort of get the knack of doing it. And I, 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 love, I love that problem-solving. Listen, clearly, I didn't always get it right, or else I'd still be in, in, in a job. And the fact is, I'm, I'm, I'm not right, or I'm not vastly wrong. In the end, it's about nuances and fine margins, but the greatest thing... I think is to to shape players and develop them into to become better. And I think a lot of talked about the best coaches do that. I think it's fantastic, and they're spending time with them, uh, no getting to know them. I tried to get half an hour a week with most of the players, one to one if you can. Difficult, I know. Getting to know them as people, trust them, find them what in what intrinsically motivates them, and then develop them on, on their technical skills, left foot, right foot, whatever to be, make them better and then put them in a team framework. That's incredibly rewarding when it, when it comes off. When it doesn't, it's heartbreaking and people will let you down, but um, I wouldn't, it wouldn't change it for the world. I, 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 lo- I love football and I, it will always remain my love. Can I, can I tell you what this really sounds like? You're talking about individual parts, make them yep. good, put them together, make it all work together. We're yep. talking about engineering. We're ending where yep. we began. It is. It's, seriously, it is, isn't it? There no, is I an engineering, it, practical, logical sense to it all. I, I, I think they're really... I, I do honestly believe that, you know, that the sum of all parts is, is a great way of doing it. You know, some, listen, were, did, did West Ham have better players than us? Probably. Were we a better team? Fact, yes, we were. Um, so in that, in, in that day, I'm not saying we forever, but I'm saying, and you see that, you see games, I mean, listen, you've, you watch what Liverpool do last night and yet get beat three games in a row. And yet, I understand it. Who thought Who thought after 70 minutes of Leicester that Liverpool were going to lose 3-1? The answer is no one. You know and I know. And, and, and that's against a brilliantly skilled manager like Brendan Rodgers who's got great players. They just can take a game away from you. So, it, it's, it's, it's a game that I think is becoming more and more brilliant because there's many ways of doing it. And, you know, you're you're in the heart of that, and I love I love the hearing all the discussion with all them ex players and particularly ex coaches, because ex coaches all give you a special vibe into it. You understand it. Yeah. Jerry Francis said something to me. I'll leave this with this. He said something to me. He said I was I was at Cupid. I was at I was at Crystal Palace with that team with Malcolm Allison. I was you know, I was right in the heart of it, very much it. He said coming one day and we had lost six in a row or seven in a row, and he said and, and I was part of the coaching team. He said he came in the, and. Uh, Malcolm Allison said, well, I've, I've tried this, I've tried that, but I'm just not so sure what to do anymore. And I thought, what a, what a, what a silly fool he is. He said, you throw forward 15 years, here I am in exactly the same position at QPR, and I'm not so sure what to do. He said, it, it, you know, unless you've been there and your nose has been against the wheel, unless you've lost... Listen, I don't think any managers 
I mean, listen, Pep hasn't done a lot of it, but you never really find out about yourself until you lose and lose big. You know, you lose big. I mean, listen, no one wants to be relegated, but it certainly tests you as a person and and, and people get up and have another go is the way it is. And that's why, you know, I've gone and gone back and done some caretaker roles. You, you can't get out of your system and, you know, and I had the opportunity with Alan to go there. And why wouldn't you? Because it's a magnificent football club. It should be among the biggest six clubs in the in England by any stretch. And Stevie Bruce is doing a good job trying to shape them around now. And I hope that continues because the special clubs. But, you know, as long as they finish below West Ham, I'll be delighted. <laughs> That's a good place to leave it. Ian Dowie, thank you very much for your time. Pleasure. Top man. Thanks, Mark. This was a Stakhanov production and part of the Acast Creative Network.